0: Welcome to Culture Matters, a podcast exploring the intersection of faith and culture. I'm Adam Hawkins, your host, and today I'm here with my co-host, Tamarcus, and we're gonna be talking about a heavy topic, which is the current crisis in Ukraine. We're back in action. We're back for another season. And a lot's happened since we broke sort of before the holidays. Um, it's it's actually hard to wrap my mind around all that's happened. But one of the big things in the news is the, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine. Um, it's actually you know, it's hard to describe to Marcus, but I think one way to say it is it's, it's actually the first, the largest buildup of troops in Europe since World War II. Mm. It's the first sort of all out war that you could say Crimea was a part of that as well. The the Russian invasion of Crimea in 14, I think 2014. Um, but really it's the first European war you might say since World War II. And um, man, that's, that's kind of, Weird. It's kind of weird to wrap your mind around. Uh, I guess I would have thought there would have been other conflicts, especially given the Cold War, but I guess yeah. I just tro- chose to fight those in other countries. Um, but it's a super, it's really sad and it's sad to watch. It's also sort of, um, it's, it's changing the world in a lot of ways, uh, at least it's changing the ways we're thinking about the world, whether that's the way wars are fought, uh, watching all the Twitter things happen and watching the way like an Elon Musk, you know, basically anyone can reach out on Twitter to these powerful people. and Elon Musk is like, here's a satellite for internet. I mean, it just kind of blows your mind how the wars of the future will be fought. It seems like we're getting a glimpse into that, but way more important than all that is what are the implications, um, how should we think about it as christians what what are the dangers what what, is, what are alternative stories we're hearing so we're going to be diving into all that today but first maybe just talk a little bit of background uh to marcus could you maybe give us just a small overview of how things started in ukraine
1: yeah so um, it's interesting i was uh reading an article um on first things mm-hmm. and i think one of the the interesting points that it pointed out to me was, you know, why this is, I mean, I know about for myself, this seemed like it was relatively new on my radar, you know, as a, a few months ago. Right. Um, and a lot of what's been going on actually between Russia and Ukraine, um, you're saying there's been uh, kind of a, a ongoing uh, thing since for like the past 14 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's this, um, I mean, essentially to, to make a long story short, um, a lot of those, you know, kind of, you um, Former Soviet Union um, countries that that have were apart and eventually uh, broke out in a from uh, Russia and have since um, joined the uh, what is it uh, NATO mm-hmm. to you know for security basically and it seems like Ukraine was trying to approach and do the same thing and um, yeah Russia obviously took that as a, a threat and I I think at the end of the day Putin is trying to kind of reestablish that um, uh, Soviet Union, a uh, USSR um, kind of tribe. So
0: that's, yeah. that's a scary thought, right? Yeah, I mean, um, it, that's what some people are saying. I mean, it's complicated, right? When you look at it, but to your point, if you wanted to put it in the most sim- simplistic terms, or at least the beginning of the narrative was you've got Ukraine, which is on the border with Russia that wants to become a NATO country. Yeah. Putin sees that as a threat, but, Then when you start to dig underneath the surface of that narrative just a little bit, um, you see this complex web. You know, a lot of the analysts and people we're reading are coming out and saying, actually, what Putin's trying to do, he's like 70-something years old. Yeah. Sort of like trying to finish out his legacy. And you start to think, and and maybe this is, you know, words being, you know, kind of uh, maybe put in his mouth, but it's sort of a, um, oh, he wants to undo the dissolution of the Soviet Union. And I think people who've been paying attention have always known that about Putin. He's former KGB. Yep. He's always been a strong man. He's always been uh, a a strong authoritarian. He assassinates his um, political opponents crazy in crazy ways. I mean, I remember over a decade ago, uh a political opponent that ended up in london they had poisoned him with something crazy that they couldn't figure out and Mm. he died uh he's done that to other political opponents they assassinate people all the time that way and so you know no one i don't think anyone sort of thought about putin as this embattled uh oh no you know NATO's coming to to take over. I think that's that's actually probably a little too shallow of a narrative, right. especially as you start to look at it. It's like Ukraine was actually afraid of Russia, which is why they were trying to join NATO because right. Putin's always had his eyes set on undoing the dissolution of the Soviet Union. So right. it's actually a little bit different narrative. There's religious things yeah. associated with it, which is crazy. I don't know. What what else what what else kind of as you've as you've watched it unfold, what's kind of struck you about what's happening?
1: Yeah, no, uh, for sure, that that religious narrative of even just how the, the church, uh, the Christian church in Russia, which is yeah. odd, right, has um, in many ways um, made this a, right, like a historical um, kind of, right, mm, I know this kind of may be taboo, but it, it reminded me of, right, as a, almost like they're thinking of it as like a manifest destiny of right. like, oh, we're like, Yes, we are supposed to like have this like this is uh us ex- expanding and uh regaining this Russian world and uh that was lost um and it's interesting seeing how um the yeah the the, the church is kind of coming alongside and that that adds a whole nother um weird wrench into the conversation and so
0: I feel I don't know about you I felt really um naive about I haven't, th- I mean, you know, we're, we're a church in America in a, in a suburb, you know, yeah. we have our own issues. Um, so I don't think a, I, I consider myself a student of history, but I haven't thought a ton about the birth of the Orthodox church, right? Whether it's yeah. Russian and Greek Orthodox and all the other Orthodox churches over there yeah. and Ukrainian Orthodox being one. But what you're talking about is basically, I think in like 988, this, this King Vladimir, um, he decides to be baptized into this Orthodox whatever, into the church the, in the Byzantine Empire. And he basically, the, both Russians and Ukrainians and other Orthodox churches see that as the birth of their church. And so, um, there is this strange Christian argument for wanting Kiev and the seat of this Russian, the, the the seat of basically the birth of the Russian church, because this happened in Kiev, it didn't yes. happen in Russia, of wanting that to be a a sort of Russian property, if you will. And so there's this argument, then all these other things unfold through history, it's really complicated, but basically what happens is, and I think it was during this whole Crimea, the in 14 when Russia sort of invaded Crimea, all of these Orthodox churches, not just the Russian Orthodox, but Ukrainian and all the other ones, sort of condemned the, that move by Russia. Right. So then the Russian Orthodox Church breaks off out of that fellowship. And now there's this whole, like, yeah, so I guess it's really strange. There's this whole sort of, you know, I don't want to overuse the term, but almost Christian national element Yes. to Russia invading and taking over the seat of their birthright. The manifest destiny thing you're talking about. I know that's really complicated and it's a web, but try to look that up if you're interested guys because you know some people are saying that might be one of the driving motivations of this whole thing if you want to see it from a religious perspective. And I just felt super naive and you know that you know my terrible exposition of that over the last 2 minutes is about as good as I can tell you, but there's yeah. some really great articles about that. So
1: Yeah, and I think I think to that point of naivety, right? As we start thinking about how to process yes. what's going on, I think there's there's two pieces to it. I found myself, right, in light of the fact that it's, you know, like you say, this is one of the largest uh, military mobilizations since World War II, um, and I just so happen to be a big C.S. Lewis fan. Uh, it, I went back to the Weight of Glory, mm. right, and just kind of um, thinking through how he's processing uh, was processing uh, some of these ideas of you know wartime and how to be thinking Christianly um, in a lot of ways, um, partly because, right, uh, before I get too far there, um, just personally, like, I found it very, like, um, yeah, difficult processing, you know, as you start seeing these images come on the news and you're, you know, reading news outlets where I was getting really sucked in to the screen, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it kind of reminded me of the uh, the Orwell uh, 1984, when the guy, like, kept pulling a token out of his pocket and, like, looking at the, yeah. like, almost feel like our phones can be that, of mm. just, just, like, being warped into, like, is this, like, is this the end? Is it going to be World War Three? Just, like, this yes. impending um, and finding myself thinking, like, okay, how do I, like, kind of separate myself in order to think about it more clearly mm-hmm. without all the emotional charge? Um, and something C.S. Lewis said, uh, like, uh, fascinated and like sobered me in like mm. processing it um, and just thinking of, you know, it was in a, a essay he wrote um, called um, uh, uh, Learning in Wartime. Mm. And it was this idea of like, how could you do anything else in a time like this besides think about the war, right? And I think that's where a lot of people kind of land is we're like yeah. seeing all these things going on. I see Instagram posts where people are like, oh, I'm waking up another day, drinking my coffee while people are fleeing. And it's like, they're feeling that tension of like, how can I live ordinary life? Um, and something he said, he said that there is like what we, we get deceived by the idea of normal life, mm. right? So like I said, like thinking about the fact that this has been going, this has been like an impending thing for the past 14 years, right. you know, roughly. Um, it's like, but that we're we're just now like thinking about it deeply mm. uh, of recently. And there's and besides that, there's things going on all over the world at all times where what we perceive as is, is normal and um kind of mundane, uh, there's always something else to be focused on. There's always something uh else to capture our attention. Um and 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 part of that is it's not to say that oh like you shouldn't think about it right um but there is a there is a, a sobering reality of uh like human humanity has like walked and lived in this path before and there there is a way to think uh level-headed about it there is a way to think christianly about it right um and to respond and to live in the midst of it in a way that is productive um that is charitable uh to the people involved but that also um keeps us from spiraling to a place that you know ultimately can be unhealthy and do more harm than it does good.
0: I think that's a really good point, you know, as we sort of sort of transition now into thinking of like what's a Christian response to all this? What you're saying is maybe an unchristian response is to get so sucked in that now you're in, you know, either either um we're headed towards World War 3. Are you're starting to get sucked into weird narratives and alternative things that are happening, whatever it might be, right? right. And how do we in in this season keep our feet on level ground? Yeah. not be knocked off our foundation, whether that's you know conspiracy theories, whether that's fear, whatever it might be how do we keep our eyes focused on the lord be empathetic to those who are suffering and be knowledgeable about what's going on in the world and it begs the question what has the response been and you know from a from a governmental perspective at least in the us it's to say we're not going to We're not going to do drastic measures. So we're not going over there to fight. We're not enforcing a no-fly zone over uh, Russia, which Putin said if NATO did that, he would see it as a provocation of war, at least see it as a threat. Um, We're not going to... uh, But we are, you know, helping through money and other things like that. What are other responses? You know, other responses we've seen are sanctions. Sanctions against... Big sanctions against Russia. We've seen um, misinformation... We've seen some strange stories coming out of the conspiracy theory world, right? Um, we've seen uh, – I think what I would say is it's always good to ask questions. I don't think it's wrong yes. to say how did we get here and ask those questions about, like, diplomatically speaking, what was the right way forward and all that. And those policy considerations are varied and anyone We can all come to different conclusions about that. But right. we have seen some apologize for Putin in a way, it, try to um, – really come to his aid, uh, uh, hmm. at least intellectually, and say, oh, yeah, this is a good move for him, or why, why should we care about Ukraine? We need to back Putin. And I think some of those questions are, when, when you were just talking about getting sucked into alternate, or when we were talking about getting too sucked in, I think what that is an example of is putting a different ethic, a different world mm. view Above our Christian worldview. Yes. Let me tell you what I mean. Maybe there is an argument. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know what it is. But perhaps there's some argument you could get to to say we should back Putin. I don't know what it is. Again, I'm not. I'm not claiming that. But I think the only way to make that argument is to close your eyes to the Christian ethic and the Christian morality. Um, that God so clearly lays out. Uh, and what is encouraging, I was reading a poll the other day that said something like 86% of the country, it's like the most people have agreed on anything in a really long time in our country, think that this is a terrible thing, right? No, very few, it's a, it's the fringe who are sort of saying, you know, we should support Putin or whatever. Um, but very few people are, are, um, yeah, yeah, doing that. So almost everybody agrees this is a terrible thing, um which that's encouraging. Uh, and then, um, you know, I think at the same time, um, knowing that I, I would say most Christians that I've heard and talked to almost everybody is is agreeing with the Christian ethic, which is simply this, you don't bully your neighbors. Uh, you don't use the ways of the world. You don't use violence, right? Now, we can talk Romans 13. We can talk about wielding the sword and those kind of things, but I think very clearly um, killing people on false pretenses, by the way, because what they're saying, it, what Putin's justification, at least to the world was, was that there are Ukrainians, or, uh, Ukrainians who have Russian... Uh, ancestry in some of these separatist regions uh, that are being killed and all that are starving and different things, although there's not really good evidence of that. But his argument was we're going in there to save them. That's obviously not true because he's marched all the way to Kiev. So we know that's not true. But regardless, you don't go under false pretenses into another country and kill people. It's wrong. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's that. Yeah, I know that might seem too simplistic, but as Christians, I think we need to at least be able to. If we can't agree right. on sort of first principles like that, then I don't think we have a shot.
1: Yeah, conversations become really hard. Yeah,
0: um,
1: and that's that's where I think it's really important. I think in all that you what you said of um, con- considering sources, and then even considering like our own limited expertise as we enter into certain conversations. So like, as you talk about the responses, um, I know the conversations that I hear the most rather be social media, just people in circles of um, is, is specifically in the U S is like, is our response strong enough or like, you know, should we avoid it? Should we do something? If most people I've talked to feel like we should do something and it's, you know, along the lines of, well, what's being done isn't enough. Uh, we need to We need to do more. You know, something like a no-fly zone like right. that. There's mm-hmm. no harm. Like you just, you know, don't let them fly. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it was interesting. I was listening to a, a NPR is doing like a state of affairs of uh, what's going on in Ukraine, which I, I've listened to a few episodes. It seemed pretty helpful. Yeah. Um, I like that they're actually interviewing people who have to me some level of expertise. Sure. It's military. Yeah. It's people on the ground in Ukraine. Um, but one, there was an uh, interview a, a general, and he was explaining, um, he said, yeah, most people think that a no-fly zone is just, hey, guys, we're issuing, you know, it's like a red light in the sky. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, what that actually means is um, we're we're sending missiles to, like, aircrafts right. that are currently there, which is an attack on Russia, and right. we're um, destabilizing military base, Like, what, what you hear as, oh, this is a simple... You know, phone no one's call. To fly. Yeah, yeah. It's it's actually like it's a it's a full on military operation, and right. so I mean, I heard that, and I was like, oh, like that does change the stakes, and so even even just processing and realizing, um, I think in a lot of ways, um, being able to acknowledge where we're ignorant, um, mm-hmm. and um, like you say, being able to agree on those first principles of, at the end of the day, this is what I know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, obviously, there's a loss of like, how do I how do I respond to that um and you know a lot of times we can we can tap out and think you know you know underestimate prayer but man pr- prayer is probably the most powerful That's thing it's really good man us being on this side of you know of everything going on it's probably one of the most reasonable things uh and level headed things we can do um for everybody involved rather than um spewing narratives that may or may not be true and trying you know and and it's kind hard. of perpetuating yeah uh, a lot of miscommunication, because I, I think that's probably one of the the more damaging thing that leads people to those uh, false narratives, right, is you're getting, you know, pictures that aren't even really from today. They're from military operations in the past right. or from some accident, and uh, while that seems like it helps the cause, it actually doesn't, right? I think
0: that, that point you just said was really good. A couple—I want to pick out a couple things you were saying. So, like, what we're talking about right now, the Christian response, one thing you said is Pray. Another is consider the sources. I think the third, as we get news, is um, to remember there's such thing as fog of war, hmm. to remember that we have, th- there is this whole new thing that we have to deal with. And by, it's not that new, but it's new. Um, and that's this the whole world of the internet. And the, the very real concerted effort, probably by all sides, to pump propaganda into our feeds, right? Um, some are just I don't know, 14 year old kids being weird. <laughs> right? right. But uh, but there's there are very real governments and, and agents out there who want to pump false information. So one thing we've been talking about in at, at our local church is our proverb series on how we become wise. And one thing we always say is wisdom is slow. And I know it's hard in a world where the the war in Ukraine is really urgent. Right? It is people are dying, right? But to to be slow, to be slow, to sort of like draw the conclusions. And so if you see something right, like I saw a picture of a helicopter getting shot down or something and they were like, it's a Russian helicopter. And I was like, wow, that's really dramatic footage. And then I just stopped and I was like, I don't know if that's real. I don't. It looks like it is, by the way, but like letting it over the course of days sort of digesting something rather than quickly posting or retweeting something or something very quickly. I think just uh, we all need to learn that our Christian response is probably going to be more deliberative, slower. We're going to be thinking through things and and praying for people who are hurting and then standing on first principles. That's what's going to be cuz it's Guys, we live in a world where there is so much misinformation or just a hundred stories that are always at our fingertips on the same thing. We don't have three or four news sources who are all, you know, reporting the same thing anymore. We have so much happening and and it's up to us to sort of, um, what do you call it, cultivate or or even, um, yeah, to, to synthesize all that information. And so I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm repeating myself, but I'm simply saying we've got to be slow, we've got to be prayerful, uh, and we've got to, um, yeah, and, and we've got to choose wisdom, choose the path of wisdom, and stand on our first principles. We, we, we have the source of what's right or, and wrong right in front of us. Um, so that's what I would say. Uh, those are our, those are the Christian responses. I want you, uh, Tamarcus, to, to give thoughts on that, and then I just want to talk one more thing, which is the future where we're headed, and then we'll, we'll wrap up.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think to your, your point of the, the the Christian response being slow, um, that was one of my big takes uh, reading Lewis. He uh, talks about, right. One of the, some of the best things that we underestimate is the things that we can presently do right now um, amongst one another in the midst, rather it's peace or war. Mm -hmm. It's a a, a quote he pulled from. He says, uh, never in peace or war, commit your virtue or your happiness to the future. Um, Not in like terms of end time, but like, you know, weeks, years, days. Um, Happy work is best done by the man who takes his long-term plans somewhat lightly and works from moment to moment as to the Lord. It is only our daily bread that we are encouraged to ask for. The present is the only time in which any duty can be done or any grace received. Um there was something really uh, encouraging and freeing about that of, um, I think sometimes maybe we can, we can get so concerned about, you know, especially in this situation, like, you know, is this going to lead to World War Three? What mm-hmm. do I need? What do I need to do? To, and it can it can actually become right a paralysis by analysis mm-hmm. of like, oh, there's, we can't do anything, right? Um, and actually, maybe one of the better things to do is say, what is what is the good that I can do today? Um, with the power that i have with the influence that i have mm. with the ability and the space that i have right like i'm not i'm not in the military like I'm, I'm not in ukraine like there's a there's a level that i'm i can't be on the grounds there yeah but what does it what does it look like to love my neighbor in the midst of where we're at now mm. um maybe I, do i have any are there any neighbors in that i know of that are from the ukraine right mm. like i'm thinking of i know friends who you know are of russian descent or mm-hmm. Um, have had you know no friends who are, are from the Ukraine and mm-hmm. being able to send a text man how's this how's this landing on sure. you? like how are you doing right um, but pro- yeah, just processing what are the things within my power to do right now today to to love my neighbor mm-hmm. well and uh, while that may feel like you say right in the world's wisdom, like that may feel like a loss uh, man, if every Christian takes on that mentality around the globe. All of a sudden, right? The body is at work mm. um, amongst people, and uh, yeah, the the work that we do, where God has us, isn't in vain. In mm. um, that way, if we can uh, spread peace, if we can give, right, extend that 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 grace. Um, I love that statement. That today, the present time is the only time when any duty can be done or grace received. Mm. Um, we can't control the future, but we right. can do what we can right now.
0: Yeah yeah and i think remembering again that the unfolding of history is in god's hands yes it's all it's hard to discern his will all the time or where the story is heading in a week but we do know where the story's finally heading exactly and head, hanging on to that knowing that again like you said today is the day that we can offer grace and mercy in christ and receive it you yes. know um that's really good man um quick quick uh conversation about where we're headed and um I just want to say this. I think one of the things that is sad but true is if you are a student of history, you know that things like this are not out of the ordinary. Right. Yes. In Europe, there's been a pause to wars on European soil for a a long time, Um, not even a century, actually, which is sort of crazy, but for a long time, many decades. that's if you look there's always a war going on somewhere i mean that you know always (laughs) so uh it may not have been happening in europe but it was certainly happening middle east africa Asia, other places, right? So, what is what? What's my point in that? Is to say, unfortunately, I don't think things like this are going away anytime soon. They may capture the public's imagination and the culture's imagination on different levels. But um, you know, even if you're just looking specifically at Russia and China before the Olympics, they were talking, and I think Xi Jinping and Putin kind of have an agreement with each other. And if you look at where China is, China's got its eyes on a place called taiwan Taiwan. yeah um and i I just look here's the thing if 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 you know anything about history you know that expansionist authoritarian regimes don't stop there's not a hey we just want this thing and then they're done am i predict do i know what the future holds no but it's not a good sign that russia has expansionist has has not just has an expansionist mindset but they're acting on it it's not a good sign that china has that mindset and they're sort of getting being emboldened yeah Yeah, being emboldened uh it's not a good sign that there's destabilization in those places and so i think if anything we're going to have to learn to flex our muscles around this a little bit the things we were talking about you know um how to maintain a vision a Christian vision, a Christian ethic, a prayerful response, and a slow and wise response. I, that That's where I think we're headed in the future. As to where all of this is headed in Ukraine, I don't know. I'm not an expert. Any, any thoughts on that? Any closing thoughts about that?
1: No, I agree. I think that's part of the being sober-minded of, um, I think there is a, a sense in which we can, uh, we just want it to be swept away and gone real fast. Yeah. And the reality of things like this don't necessarily work like that. And so um the the sooner we can um e- equip ourselves mm. and um process okay how do i what does it look like for me going forward to um respond and be thinking through um this issue because i mean yeah that's i mean the reality is um like you say like the ukraine ukraine is a start and mm-hmm. if the and if the end goal is the reestablishment of u s s r rather it's putin rather it's You know, um, I've heard talk of, you know, people say, like, why don't we just, you know, what if we just, if we just take out Putin, then all of it's all's well. And it's like, it never works like that. Like, there's going to, somebody else is going to come and continue the reign. And in many ways, that could just embolden further Mm -hmm. and give more cause um, for the, yeah, more fire to the cause. But, um, yeah, if if that is the end goal, then, like, Ukraine isn't the only thing. They're looking at the other um, countries that were part of the Soviet Union. Yeah, Yeah. and so um part of that is you know okay this is where we are this is what we know um these are you know our limitations and and where we're at um how can we um how can as best we can become proactive Mm -hmm. uh rather than just reactive to what we see going on um yeah and be thinking be thinking through that i mean we're um, the yeah. other thing, you know, internal as a country, uh, we're entering into you know midterm soon. Yep. Um, and so that's maybe maybe a proactive thing is like, man, how can I like educate myself so yeah. as this inevitably has to be a conversation yep. during that time? How can I already be thinking through um, reading reading platforms, reading stances, right. understanding how people are handling these things, um, and just being informed and in how I'm um, I'm making decisions. So I, I think there's a way. Obviously, that's why we, you know, do this show. There's a way for us to engage um, with uh, Christian principles. Mm. Um, I think the distinction to draw um, that, that can that can quickly become a slippery slope, as we talked earlier, even with the kind of how the church is becoming in cahoots with what's going on in Russia, um, is understanding that um, uh, our earthly home is a pilgrimage mm. um, and it's not, right, it's not eternity. Yep. Um, and so it it's not us making heaven on earth, um, but it's us uh with God's wisdom learning how to um act in a way um to where as as best as possible God's will be carried out um on earth as it is in heaven. Okay. Um and so um that distinction has to remain, yeah. you know, as we respond. Yeah. Um otherwise it's it's easily easily to become either too entangled mm-hmm. um in the earthly affairs in a way that's unhelpful or to lose hope because yeah at the end of the day, yeah, this isn't, this isn't, um, yeah, but bliss, it isn't heaven. Yeah. So, yeah,
0: um,
1: yeah, I think that, that has to shape our response and thoughts to him.
0: No, that's great. The the last thing I would say is just pray, pray for peace and pray for the church. I mean, you know, even as we talked about the, the church in Russia and the church in Ukraine. And and those are our brothers and sisters, you know, they may carry the name Orthodox at the end, but we all have blind spots and we all have ways that maybe we're entangled with worldly powers. You know, we're not, no no one is pure. Um, And so pray, I think just praying that the people of God would be the people of God all over the world. Um, And that, um, uh, yeah, the purification of the church over there and uh, peace Well, thank you guys so much for listening to Culture Matters. This episode was produced and recorded and edited by Chris Sterrett. One of the best ways you can help others find our show is to leave us a review. So please take a minute to rate us. We'd love to hear from you. Another good way to interact with us is by following us on Instagram and by supporting our patron page at patron.podbean.com slash culture matters.